The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 140 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host, resident Tom Brady super fan, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm good. We have to eat a little crow to the start. We won't talk too much about it, but... We doubted Tom Brady this year. We thought he would fade because we've seen these old quarterbacks fade over the course of a season. This year, Drew Brees. Congrats to him. I mean, look, there's no way around it. The, Tampa's really good all around. Yeah, they were good, and he was good enough. Like, their offense certainly wasn't explosive, and he hit a couple pretty good throws, and that was enough. It was a weird game. Well, Maybe we'll talk about it later. We'll circle back. Yeah, although, you know, the, the, the correlation to the NBA, it's like you can't help but watch Tom Brady like just not decline notably, you know, like he's still like a good starter. Um, and think about LeBron. It's like what statistically or eye test wise tells you LeBron's not going to be a good player at 40. Nothing. Right. There are some, and, and like, here's the thing, like you see Brady and, and like, he actually has days where he's terrible and you're like, Oh man, it's over. And he manages to like figure out a way to like battle and compete. Like LeBron doesn't even have that. Like they went yeah, in double like overtime. I test wise, like you can't really tell the difference. Like he, he was, he was like legitimately incredible. They, they're playing a, a game against like the Pistons, right? It's a home game. They're playing on Saturday night against the Pistons. And like LeBron in double overtime is just like, all right, forget it. Like, I'm just not going to lose this game. And it's like, guy, you're 35 years old. It'd be so easy to just mail in this game and like not play 48 minutes. And he just, doesn't do that he still doesn't do that it's it's incredible like it's well you know what's kind of ironic i guess i don't want to go down this rabbit hole necessarily but do you remember um ponce de leon the old explorer yeah i, I mean i don't remember him I've never you, i mean did you remember talking to him we had yeah. him on the podcast and um he <laughs> when we started 104 fountain of ago, youth yes fountain of youth was in i think in florida i don't know where it was i think yeah florida yeah i think right. it was and um Tom Brady spent some time in Florida. Alex Rodriguez spent some time in Florida. LeBron Jennifer James Lopez. Spent, well, I'm just thinking LeBron James, you know, took a couple of vacations to Florida. Something a little shady going on there with the Fountain of Youth, but congrats to them. They're, they're doing it natural or not. Tiger, Tiger Woods lived in Orlando. Yeah, it's it's for a long definitely time. a I mean, little we got, weird. We got but some stuff going, but it's, it's, it is. It's, it's wild. Like to see Florida this. is like the Wild West, right? It's, it's insane to see these guys just at this high of a level still. Cause like even Brady, like you said, he's like an average to good NFL quarterback, but like that comparatively to like what we saw of Peyton Manning at the end of his career and what we've seen from Drew Brees, like he's just miles better than those guys and he just wants to keep playing. So, you know what? One quick Florida tangent. My wife's from Florida, from Tampa, actually. Um, and we were watching a movie in Florida. It was like a Tina Fey movie, like a silly comedy. And they're in Florida and the jokes were all like, Florida's crazy, you know? And there's like alligator in the pool. And then there's a sinkhole and it, you know, cars just get swallowed up by the sinkhole. Florida's crazy. And that was like, I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and then my wife's like, no, like that actually all does happen a lot. Like there are alligators in your pool a lot. And there are sinkholes often. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what kind of place is this? It's like a weird, like purgatory, like society that it, we just it, like. It definitely is. It's a, it's an odd place for sure. Let's uh, so let's talk about another older, another aging veteran that's on the move. There haven't been a ton of deals made, especially like trades thus far this year. But the Pistons and Knicks made a, a deal. And this is going to be the crux of the show today. We're going to talk about kind of like the middle, like the bottom the tier. Of the and East. some Florida teams too, actually. Yeah, but like 8, 9, 10, 11 in the East because yeah. it's it's very close. And the Knicks kind of announced that they, they played well this year. We haven't really talked a ton about them, but Thibs is kind of who we thought he was. Playing his guys a ton of minutes. They're, they're disciplined on defense. They're better than we thought they would be. And uh, they go and trade their, they trade Dennis Smith Jr. in a second round pick, which is a good second round pick, Charlotte's second round pick this year for Derrick Rose. And, you know, Zan, we can dive, I think, very deep into this. But the one underlying thing for me with the Knicks is like they're acquiring Derrick Rose because they want to make the playoffs this year. There's the only, that's the only reason to do it because there's no other reason to like 
bring somebody in who's going to cause you to play Emmanuel quickly less, or maybe RJ Barrett a little bit less, or, you know, even, even Frank a little bit less, even though that's not. Well, and I may be for mentorship and like, Good on Derrick Rose for having the reputation as a good mentor because it, it must be hard for like the former MVP to go be that sort of backup quarterback role. Um, and he apparently does a good job of it. I mean, he seems like he's really, you know, a good teammate these days. He's not like pouting and sulking. And oftentimes we see those kind of guys, those like score first point guards that like hit the wall and they just like fade out of the league very quickly. Yeah, he, he does deserve credit for that right because it would have been so easy after the injury he signed the huge adidas deal he was on a max contract like he has plenty of money right like we, we know this and he signs with the timberwolves and like signs with the pistons and like wants to play hard every night and you know has really reshaped like who he is as a player you know not being well, the youngest also, like, mvp in league history and like he's now you know like you said he's going to be a role player Although his his role with the Knicks is going to be larger, I think, than we think. Right. They, they need offensive creation like really badly outside of Julius Randle. So this is a good spot for him. But it reminds me of, and also injuries. You know, like that would take your toll on you emotionally and physically. And you and a lot, we've seen a lot of guys just like it's not worth it. Like, I, I, it reminds me of Sam Bradford in, in football, where it's like he got a lot of money. He probably could be a backup quarterback somewhere, but it's, he's just like it's not worth it, right? And he has money. He, his body's all banged up. What's the point? And then Derrick Rose, he's not super old. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's old by non-LeBron yeah. and Tom Brady standards. He's he's sports old for sure. Yeah, it's funny. He's probably like five years younger than LeBron, but still, I mean, body wise too. There's a lot of mileage on tread on those tires. Well, so so let's talk about let's talk about the Knicks for a, a quick yes. minute before we talk because we should talk about the Detroit side of this too because it's pretty obvious Detroit is is now kind of in like sell mode, right? Like. They're the second team to take a chance on Dennis Smith Jr., which is fine. Like, no reason to not throw him out there and see, like, hey, maybe he can rehab his career a little bit. And then you get this second-round pick, which should should be a top 40-ish pick. Maybe maybe the Hornets sneak into the playoffs and it's, like, 45. But even so, like, this is a good return for Derrick Rose, I think, because he's not really helping you do anything. And so now with Detroit, we're probably going to see – I mean, I'm assuming they're going to kick the tires on who wants Blake Griffin. It's a tough deal. He's not played yeah. amazing this year, but he is – He's looked pretty bad. He's still a good NBA player, right? Do we think he is? I, think I he don't is. know. I, I love Blake Griffin, but he's he's really like struggling. And then he's getting, I think, thirty eight million this year and next year. So it's just like, it's almost like buyout situation. I think. Remember, they're not buying. They they are not buying him out. That's insane. He's averaging twelve five and three, and he's getting paid, and he's shooting thirty six percent from the field. It's ugly. Uh, it's not good. The, the, the and he's only 31. That's an old 31 too. Yeah. I, I think like, again, I think it'll be interesting to see if somebody acquires Blake Griffin, but my assumption is that like, that's the next step for Detroit is like, can we trade Blake Griffin? Like DeLon Wright is a pretty valuable guy. I think league wide, like that need backup point guards or even a, a guy who can start. I see Mahaluk, people still like young shooter. He's restricted. So like, again, they have some guys that they probably are going to trade. Again, this is, we talked about this with Detroit for a long time. Like, why are you signing bets when it's like so obvious that this is what's going to happen, but this is what gets, what's going to happen. So I think that's pretty obvious from Detroit's perspective. They have the worst yeah. right. But you know what? This kind of, you made a good point about um, Dennis Smith Jr. Cause you know, he kind of got featured that first year in Dallas and then he basically people have like given up on him. This is going to be a situation where he'll get a chance. You know, I think Killian Hayes is going to be out still. Um, they don't have a lot of point guards on the roster. Let's see what he can do. And I actually liked that. Did you see before this, he said he would go to like the G league and just try to like show. So, yeah. I, I think that's admirable. Like he's trying. I don't, I don't want to steal this take because it is a very good take. And Sam Vecini is one of the smarter guys, I think that evaluates prospects that, but for the athletic, but he commented that like Troy Weaver has a kind of like an AAU background, not, not to get into his junior college education, but he was saying, like, maybe Troy Weaver, I think you'll appreciate this, Xandrick. Like, Troy Weaver might be a guy that takes shots on some, like, high-level prep prospects that haven't really panned out because he's well, seen yeah. you know, he's and so, Josh Jackson. Yep, who's been good, you know, who's – I think they also had uh, – he mentioned he mentioned somebody else. But it looks like they have Frank Jackson on the roster. And Jaleel Okafor and, was in Detroit, you know. Like, it's, so it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a situation where maybe this is, this is good. Like, you just see where Dennis Smith is and – he gets humbled a little bit. Like I said, Josh Jackson, I've doted on him before this year. Like he deserves a lot of credit. Maybe Dennis Smith is 
you know, has gotten humbled in a similar vein and is going to figure out a way to become a productive NBA player. It's going to be hard. I think his skill set is slightly different and it, it's, it's really tough if you can't shoot. But, you know, hey, I, I think. Well, and again, also, like, credit Detroit for just like, like, Derek Rose at this stage of his career is not going to be like a needle mover, but no. they kind of picked a direction, like you said. Like, maybe they would have tried for the playoffs. They're five and 18. That's out the window. Might as well just like fully rebuild now. They are they are quite bad. But getting back to the Knicks, who are not bad, right? The Knicks right, are 11, they're currently in the eighth spot, eleven and fourteen. Eleven and fourteen, but like they have a couple issues, right? Julius Randle has played very well this year, like potential All Star, I think, and he's yes. been the guy that drives basically everything that they do. You know, he's he's averaging like twenty three, eleven, and six, which is again, he, he we've seen this from him before. He had, I want to say, twenty eighteen in New Orleans. He was very similar in terms of like, wow, this guy can pass and he can handle the ball and like everyone's kind of surprised but when you're a good player on a bad team nobody really pays attention Blake Griffin ish right like in his skill set and then you know RJ Barrett has also shooting aside he's still shooting 29% from three like RJ Barrett has been quietly like a productive NBA player this year I think and he's been pretty darn good right and so it's interesting. It's this classic Fibs thing, right? There's two are leading the league in minutes. Who knows how long they can do it, but like they need another guy to get in and be able to drive some offense and maybe push the ball a little bit in transition because their pace is tremendously slow. I think it's last in the league because it is Tom Thibodeau, but I, I think Derek Rose is a good addition for them. If they're trying to make the playoffs, he's the exact type of player I'd want on a team. That's like in the six to eight spot in the East that needs a little extra offense and needs a little bit of help from some vets. Right. I mean, it, it it's it's interesting from an on-court perspective. He's very familiar with Thibs, too. Right. So. And, I, you know, I'm happy for the Knicks. Like, there is a buzz if you're not on social media. Like, Knicks fans are excited about this team. Are they? Are they yes. Really? And it's kind of pivoted. Remember, like, they used to be excited about Frank Nicoltina or whatever. And even Obi Toppin. Like, there was Rookie of the Year buzz. It hasn't Did you see he signed a contract with Jordan Brand? I saw it, like, pop up on my Instagram. I was like, oh, news about Obi Toppin, but it's not basketball. Like, it's a sneaker deal. That's good for him. Get paid. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't, you know, he's he has some injuries and stuff. But they're really excited because, like, the reasons for optimism, I think, you know, the defense, as you mentioned, they're seventh in defense. For a with, young team, that's really impressive. And with bad defensive, like like with, with Julius Randle, like yeah. Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel are great defensive anchors, right? But like with Randall and RJ Barrett and like Alec Burks and Alfred Payton playing tons of minutes, and Elf is good enough, but like Emmanuel Quickly's playing a lot of minutes. Like this is not a team that you'd expect to be a pretty good perimeter defensive team. That's for sure. And Julius Randall's not been a liability there, really. He's been um, really he's actually good. positive. He's been, he's been good. Yeah, like. Nerlens Noel, you know, I, I keep feeling foolish for liking him. When he's on the court, they're holding opponents 99 points per 100. His box plus minus on defense is plus four. I mean, he's just like really an impactful defender, always has been. I think he's leading. I don't quote me because I don't have this up in front of me, but I think I looked at the Knicks the other day. I was on their basketball reference page because I was like, hey, like yeah. they're playing well enough. And I want to say like Nerlens Noel's block rate is like north of 10%. It's, I just he, his stats are like better than him as a player, but I don't his stats are pretty amazing. Zan, this has been a guy. You know, your ninety nine cent store piece is read widely by every GM <laughs> in the NBA, and they they. Well, I did write like, about the Brooklyn signing Noah Vonley, and they just did. By it's, the way, but it's it's like a situation where like Nerlens is always productive on the defensive end in limited minutes, right? Like you give him right. ten minutes, and like he's going to get you some steals, he's going to block some shots, your team's going to be better defensively, and then it's like. I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal is. I know he clashed with Rick Carlisle. I know in Philly they thought he was like a little immature, but like this guy has a re- like a legitimate NBA skill set that like is hard to replicate. He is probably the best energy big in the league because like Mitchell Robinson is like better than him, right? Because he plays more minutes, but he well, fouls well, too I'll much. I'll give you like, a stat why that's, can't, that's going to shock you. Get little legitimate minutes. I'm going to give you a stat that will shock you. Will it? Paul, you. And I have to check again because, you know, stats have been like so like crazy this last couple of years. I I have to double check if this is still true. New Orleans Noel, as far as I am aware, is the only player in NBA history. History. To average two blocks and two steals per 36 minutes. That can't be right. That can't be right. Take it to the bank. Hakeem Olajuwon didn't do That's, it. I was thinking it was Dennis like Dennis Rodman Hakeem. didn't do it. What about like Gerald Wallace, a guy well, like him? Well, 
also keep in mind that you know blacks hasn't been always around as a stat so take that with a grain of salt but he's um but and also in nerland's defense he plays limited minutes so sometimes that those are easier those per 36 minutes because he fouls a lot but he's currently doing that for his career is what you're for saying his career. he's the only and he, person and he, doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah the only one in his career two blocks and two steals gerald wallace only 1.7 steals 1.0 blocks but those guys play a lot of minutes and, you know, they it's have harder to, to do it's yeah. harder for your energy, but he's just like really quick hands and really quick feet. I and mean, really good defensive instincts. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's wild, right? Cause he's like who they want Mitchell Robinson to be, but you can't play, you know, like he's playing 18 minutes a game, right? Which is good. If he was, if he had played in enough games, he'd be leading the NBA in, in block rate. And it's like, I don't know. We talk a lot about Nerlens when he's like not, a, he's not a huge part of what they do, but it's, it's just interesting because they do have these two just like defensive anchors with like him and Mitchell Robinson, who are just elite rim protectors, just absolutely tremendous at protecting the rim. And they can't really get 40 minutes a game. <laughs> They're trying to right? Mitch is playing, I think 30 minutes a game now, but I don't know if the Knicks, my concern with this deal, right. Is that going all into like make the playoffs and they shipped Dennis Smith back. So it saved a little bit of their cap sheet, right? Cause they could have just taken Derek Rose for 7 million. Cause they had, I think 20 plus million. So now they have 15. It just seems weird to me because like Emmanuel quickly, who we said was the worst pick of the first round. He's good. Like that was a good evaluation by oh, the right. Knicks. He, well, that he, was my other point. Like fans like love quickly and he's, he's fun to watch. He is. Yeah. He's averaging 12 points in 18 minutes a night, 19 I mean, minutes a night. You know how hard that is to do as a late round rookie in the NBA on a team like this, like to be able to average, to be a, po- a net positive on the offensive end. He, you know, there's some issues with defense, but like people have written about him. He's an unbelievable float game. Like he, he definitely had more of a point guard ceiling than I think people thought because at Kentucky, he didn't handle the ball. He was like just a shooter, but he won SEC player of the year without playing point guard. And like, this just seems like a misevaluation by a lot of people because he's very clearly a good NBA player. And I don't think, you know, like at this point, if I were betting, I think like LaMelo ball is going to win rookie of the year. I, I don't think, I don't see any other way somebody can, cause his numbers are good enough and he's a higher pick, but like quickly has been a very good. Yeah, there, there is rookie. legitimate rookie of the year buzz for him. And if you look at like per 36, maybe it's legit. I don't really know much about him. Like, honestly, like I, I was surprised he's been this good. Um, you know, he had a good sophomore year for Kentucky. It's just, it's just one of the circumstances of like Kentucky, just like, I don't know, not using their talent. Well, I mean, like, how does this guy, he's a McDonald's so all American. like he was a McDonald's all American, like highly rated guy. It's just that like at Kentucky, <laughs> you I don't have shooters or more seriously. I mean, look, and even in college, 16 points a game, 40% from three, 90% from the line. He could really shoot. And that's all he, but I, they, people, I think he was misevaluated as like a small, skinny three and D wing. And he's showing that there's much more creation to his game than that. Right. Like he's, they're letting him handle the ball a little bit. He's got it in pick and rolls. Like, and cause I remember him in high school, he was, he's from Baltimore. And like, I, I definitely saw him and there was more like dribble creation to him than, we saw in college. And I think that that's kind of a collection of Calipari and his roster being really crowded and one guy having the ball a ton. You know, we've seen that over the last couple of years with them. It's the same deal with like Devin Booker comes out and it's like, wow, this guy's really skilled. And all we saw him do was like make open threes. And so I think that, you know, the Knicks deserve a lot of credit. Cause, cause I mean, you'd think naturally Lou Williams type, you know, scorer off the bench or can he be more than that? It's good. Good. I mean, that's like the comp, right? Lou Williams, I guess. Bobby Jackson yeah. type. You know, his arms are really long, right? And he, he's not as athletic as Lou Williams. I mean, like, Lou Williams is, like, tremendous at drawing fouls. And I think that quickly is good at that. He, he's he got some real feel to his game. I don't think – I don't love the Lou Williams comparison, but I guess, like, that is a, a pretty reasonable one. I, I think, like – I think he's more like George Hill, to be honest. Like, I like him better as that, like a long point guard who's not really like. But that would be a much... starter. So you think he can be the starting point guard? He's only he's 21. Like he's, right. you know, I, I, I there it's it's hard to really. It's it's hard to look at him and not think that he's got to be the future for them at point guard, honestly. And that's kind of where the Derrick Rose thing bothers me, because. I get it. Fibs doesn't want to play rookies, right? So him doing this for Tom Thibodeau, like, is is even more impressive in my opinion because that guy just doesn't want to play young players. But like, I just worry that like you play Derrick Rose thirty minutes a night, you you need to play quickly and Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett together. You just have to, like, at this point, and and Obi Toppin at some point, but. Yeah, like where did Obi fit into this? I mean, I mean, I didn't like that pick to begin with, as you know, but it's way too early to say that like he's not going to be very good. It's just. 
he's been injured. And, and again, like when you have a team with Thibs, like he's going to have a short rotation as we, we know, and he's going to play guys a lot of minutes. And like, you see guys like, it's, it's funny, man. Vets like love playing for him. He just makes you feel so valuable. Like Austin Rivers has had some great games for them. Reggie Bullock has had some great games for them. And I would say like, if I was the Knicks and I was running their team, like if I was Leon Rose, I would be trying to like move guys like Reggie Bullock, because I think you have a base of three dudes and maybe Obi Toppin that makes you feel kind of comfortable for the first time in a little while. You need to get better, but like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to like make the eighth seed and like get blown out by the Sixers or the Bucks. but I, I mean, I understand it. It's fun. You want to get fans excited again because the state of Knicks basketball has been trash all but like one year since 2000. So it's just, it's tough for me to, to, to look at this team and be like, you know, is the right decision really to try to go. Yeah, I think you're 500. right. And I think, you know, their opponents have been shooting really poorly against them from three, 31%. So that's, you know, possible thing, but I think they're legit in that eight, nine range. Um, and let's talk about some other teams in the East. Other teams like the Knicks at eight, we think they're going to be in this range, 11 and 14 ish. Um, the three, you know, opponents, three point percentage will go up. Maybe Derek Rose helps a little bit. So they're in the mix in the bottom half of the playoffs. What other teams are going to be there? Hold on, Zan. Do you think, would you bet on the Knicks to make the playoffs no. as of today? You would not. All right. No, I think I would like short sell game, whatever hedge fund style. Don't don't start. Yeah. So we, if, if you're looking at it right now and we know Charlotte's in seventh, the Knicks are in eighth, the Raptors are in ninth, like, and the Raptors are playing a lot better. Thanks to our guy, Freddie Van Vliet, friend of the podcast, podcast favorite. And then like Heat are like nine and 14. Are, which team are you expecting? Well, and I'll say if you're talking about like the hedge fund, like, you know, as I mentioned, and I said it again, like, Opponents are shooting 31% from three in a league where the average is like 35. And you can say that's good defense, but there's some luck involved there too. And also you mentioned they're playing Randall 37 minutes a night and he's playing extremely well. Like, is that going to last? I mean, if he goes down, that's going to put a lot of strain on the team. Um, So I think they're going to finish, I would say like with 35 wins in a normal season. What's that adjusted? What did they be 35 and 47 in a normal season? They'd be 12 under 500. So they'd probably win 32 games, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's about right. 31 um, games, maybe. And the East is bad. So, but we're saying, you know, Milwaukee will make it, Philly will make it, Brooklyn will make it, Boston will make it. That's four. Indiana, they're 12 and 12. I think so, right? Can we pencil them in? I think Indiana's going to make the playoffs. They've had some injury, poor luck, whatever. And like they've, they traded right. Victor Oladipo, having gotten to play with Karis LeVert yet. I, I would feel like Indy's pretty comfortably in there. And then what about the borderline ones? Because there's two like young teams, Atlanta 11 and 12, Charlotte 11 and 13. And then you have these sort of, and maybe the Cavs, if you want to throw the Cavs in there. Yeah, I don't like the Cavs. The Hornets maybe. The Hornets are like reasonably like interesting, I think. We should maybe talk about them. But like the Cavs are, the Cavs are bad. They're just outplaying their record. The Cavs are still not very good. And then the two underachievers, Toronto 10 and 13 and Miami 9 and 14. Toronto's going to be there. Miami is interesting. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Toronto will bounce back. Miami's stats are just like not indicative of a playoff team right now. All right. So let's go out of the middle and, and go down to Miami for a second. Let's take our talents to South Beach, Fountain of Youth, and talk about Miami because they are 9 and 14 as of us recording. They did just beat the Knicks. They have had some very poor luck in terms of. COVID and injuries. And so would you say we talked a lot about Miami and how fun they were last year and, and they played super hard and they all seem to be on like one, you know, one rope, if you will. And this year it doesn't seem that way because we haven't really seen him, but like Jimmy Butler is one guy that like really rehabbed this image. Right. And kind of made it interesting to think about like, well, maybe you don't need a guy who is like a super high volume three point shooter. If the rest of your team is built around him, well, they've gotten 11 games out of Jimmy Butler this year. And it's really hurt them. Like, cause Bam is playing awesome. I think like yeah. Bam is playing and just like defensively. Level. They need Jimmy Butler. Right. And they, they've gotten only 10 games of Avery Bradley, who was supposed to be a big part of what they were going to do. Mo Harkless has only played nine games. Myers Leonard, our guy out for the season. Like they've had some tough luck. And I wonder five games under 500, 24 games into the year, like that's like not insignificant, Zan. And so right. it makes me worried about Miami to go from 
they sort of they sort of like won the bubble, right? Like they sort of like were the team that like did the best in the offseason. COVID came back. They just seemed like they were in such better shape than everybody. They they just it was great, right? They just were awesome. And now it's like, are they going to miss the playoffs? And I, I, I'd have a hard time thinking they're going to make the playoffs. Honestly, I really would. Really? See, I, I, I I'm a little more optimistic because Jimmy Butler should come back. And like, look, Atlanta is in the sixth seed now, and they're only like two games up on them. Right. Jimmy so, is Jimmy is back. By the way, after missing like ten games for contact tracing, he's he's back. I I was going to say like I'm pessimistic enough to to think that they might be in that play-in, like the seven eight spot. Um which would be, you know, a big disappointment for a team that a lot of people thought would be top four. Because it's a whole, you know, who knows how healthy Jimmy Butler's going to be. I mean, he hasn't looked great. He, he hasn't made a three all season. Have you seen the pictures of him where he looks like he's so skinny? Like he looks yeah, like he's like 25 like COVID issues going on. Yeah, it's weird. And we don't always, like we were debating before if we were going to talk about this Kevin Durant thing and getting like pulled out of the game because and he's already had it, right? And then... He missed four games before and he was around somebody who had an inconclusive test. And then in the second test was positive. They pulled him out and now he's missing games. But like, it appears that like this has affected Jimmy Butler. Right. And and it's something that just hasn't well, been. It's just hard, like the conditioning wise basketball, you know, you hear that basketball shape thing. No, I mean, Anthony I, Davis, by the way, so Laker fans are, are convinced that he's not in basketball shape right now. He, and, may, and maybe he isn't. And this is it's it's funny, like within all the sports leagues, it's it's sort of like you just don't talk about COVID. Like you, you get positive tests and you just kind of move on and contract tasting happens. Some games get canceled. You make them up or you don't. I don't know. Roger Goodell's talking about what an amazing season the NFL had. And it's like, yeah, because you guys just ignored all this stuff. And it's it's fine. Right. Like it's it, I mean, it's not fine. It's a discussion for another day. But like if it really is affecting Jimmy Butler and you only get 50% of Jimmy Butler capacity for half the season, like Miami's screwed, right? Like they're just screwed. Well, if, if Jimmy Butler lost 20 pounds with COVID, we, the world, we have to protect your guy, Pokosevsky, don't we? I mean, does he have 20 Jimmy, pounds to lose? Jimmy, Jimmy is, uh, Jimmy is much, still much more, much more, uh, heavy than Pokosevsky. I think po- Poku, I, I don't know if that's a, he should be masked up, double masked all the time because he's got, there's no <laughs> like more. He should play in a bubble, I think, like the bubble boy. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though? Like with the COVID stuff, it's just, if we never hear about it. Like we heard Nasir Little, it really affected him and he lost a bunch of weight and like it took him a while to feel like he had his wind back. So, like, I don't know if we can expect Jimmy Butler to be. I, and this is a bigger question that I'm curious because you've been around it. In the NFL, it's very obvious that there's like two types of like linemen. They're the guys who like would naturally be like 350 pounds and they kind of have to lose weight to get in shape. And then there's like usually the white guys who have to like, who naturally like 220 and then they just like bulk up to get to weight. 300. Yeah. How, what percentage of basketball players have to like really s- struggle to maintain uh, of their weight and their muscle? That's a good question. I don't, I don't think in basketball it happens quite as much. I think there's a lot of guys who, you know, I think you see guys like, that Zion's probably the only guy I could think of who's like naturally big. I mean, James Harden, I think is a bigger yeah. guy, right? Like those guys, I think they struggle to like John wall, like would get doughy when he like, wasn't really working super hard. I think that's more the case in basketball is guys trying to play more to be more in shape. Right. Then, then guys trying to, cause it, it doesn't really behoove you to bulk up in basketball anymore. Cause the floor is so spread now. Like nobody, right. nobody needs to guard Shaquille O'Neal. Right. You just, don't need that there's like I, I maybe you want to bulk up to guard like Joel Embiid but even like Jokic right he's a guy who's got a bad body and he's in amazing shape Marcus Saul same deal these dudes are like they're 30 pounds lighter than we've ever seen them before and it's fine for them I yeah, guess the guy right. like Jimmy or Kawhi maybe like well you know like that was a knock a on deal that was a knock on Kevin Durant coming in remember he couldn't bench like 220 or whatever it is 185 he couldn't bench it at all right and has it affected him at all, really? I mean, he's still... I mean, have you, you ever know, seen an octopus try to bench press? Why? Like, he's, this guy's arms are so long. I, I just think that, like, Miami is... I just think they've been so unlucky, right? Like, Goran Dragic comes back last Friday and then sprains his ankle right away and he's out again, and that's another creator. So it's been, like... It's been, like, Bam, Tyler Hero, and Duncan Robinson, and there's just, like, rotating cast of characters around them trying to play games against... Well, uh, that was one teams. of my questions, because it's, like, Tyler Hero is such a darling of the playoffs... And he's obviously a very good player, but like, what is he like? Can you play him at the wing with 
Duncan Robinson? Is he a point guard enough to play him at point guard? Like, where do you fit him in? It's a good question. Because now they're talking about benching him. He's been starting mostly. Um, Bring him off the bench, maybe, as a scorer. But his well, defense is off, poor. They bring him off the bench. They, yeah, so he's come off the bench the last two games, right? He had started, I think, the first 14. He's come off the bench the last two, and it definitely has helped. He was quite good against the Knicks on uh, Sunday afternoon, pre-Super Bowl. But, like, I I think Tyler Hero is – I don't know. It's a good – it's a really good question. I would want to see him handle the ball more. I think I talked about this a lot last year. Like, it was exciting to watch him take strides as a pick-and-roll ball handler as the bubble went along, you know, like watching him add more stuff to his game. And now you kind of got to deal with it when he goes like two for 13, because it's going to happen every now and again. And he doesn't, I don't think he has the same sort of like shot creation for others as you'd want to see. He strikes me more of like a Devin Booker type or Kyrie in the sense that like they're great off it. And he's not that good. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying, but like that they're, they're point guards in name only, if that makes sense, really. Like they, they handle the ball a ton and they're lead guards, but it's not exactly a situation where they're going to have like a 40% assist rate when you when you look around. They can get shots for guys, but it's not their primary objective. So what do you do? I mean, like, so you just think, get healthy. That's basically That's the, what I think, honestly. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's because well, if, if, you're, sign, if you're that like optimistic that health will fix everything, then why do you think they're not going to make the playoffs? I, when are they going to get healthy? Like yeah. we haven't, and, and then I also, you, you know, I feel this way about basketball, but like one of the reasons the heat were so good last year, I thought is because like everybody knew exactly what they were doing. Right. So now you're trying to throw like Maurice Harkless back in there. Who's a good NBA player and a good wing defender. And I think people really respect what he brings to a team, but like, you've got to integrate him, right. You've got to integrate Jimmy back into what he's doing. And that bumps Tyler hero a little bit. Like bam has taken on such a huge offensive load and like, he's playing great. Like, how does that affect him? Like Goran Dragic, like we, we think it's easy to integrate guys, but like all of a sudden you're talking about like it's game number 35 and you've got to figure out like, all right, where are strengths and weaknesses? And you don't really know your tape. Like, what are you going to do? I think you're right. Though. You're right though. I'm probably being a little bit right now. Cause I if you look at the rest of the East, it's, it's winnable and they're not that far behind, but I think also Jimmy Butler coming back will allow them to play Leslie Gudala, you know, as like a wing defender, and he hasn't been shooting well, of course. What are Iguodala's numbers? Because you like routinely look at them just to make sure that they're still terrible. Are they well? His defensive numbers are good. His offensive numbers fifty percent true shooting. It's not good. So he just he just he's not a threat there. You know, he still can pass a little bit, but he's just he's one of the worst offense. He's thirty seven. I mean, he's old. He's old. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's funny. I was listening to, uh, I've been listening to these old JJ Reddick podcasts, like the old man in the three or whatever. And he's, he's had a bunch of guys from the Miami heat on. And one of he's had Tyler hero on was one of the guys he was talking to. And, you know, Tyler Hero's 20 years old and coming off this good bubble situation. And they were talking about Iguodala as like a vet. And it's, it's so funny to think of like Iguodala and Tyler hero in the same locker room while Tyler hero is talking about like, rapping and Andre Iguodala is like checking his Bitcoin wallet. It's, it's, it's very funny to know what Andre Iguodala's role is on that team. Cause I don't know that he like cares to play basketball anymore. Right. He goes and plays and he defends and he does what he's supposed to do, but he's like got so many other things going on. Like, why did he want to play? Like what is going, why, why not just retire and just be an investor or whatever? Well, this continues to be one of the most baffling contracts because not only did they trade for him, they extended him. And supposedly Miami. he's been like a net positive offense and defensive wise. Like, I don't know. I, like don't his, know. His I mean, look, look at this. Something's going on with Miami and maybe they're always one step ahead because next year, Goran Dragic, this is not this season, next season, $19 million team option. Iguodala, $15 million team option. Myers Leonard, $10 million team option. Avery Bradley, $6 million team option. It screams we're trading these guys for somebody. You're I don't right know now for it streams they're training these guys. I think next year in the summer, I'm saying maybe they have the contracts to do it if they want. Well, it was to, it was because of like the courting of Giannis, and like Miami can always right. get in the mix with guys because guys want to go to Miami, but like they kept their cap sheet like super clean. They, get, they gave Myers Leonard more money than he deserved to make sure that they had more open space in 2021. It was pretty smart. But like, so we think they're going to rebound, maybe get to the seven eighth spot, right? Are you amending your earlier take? Yeah. Again, I don't. I'm not going to say this isn't going to. I think the Hawks are going to make the playoffs, right? So I want to say that I think the Hawks are like pretty firmly. I think okay. if we say that, then we're not get. There's not that many spaces left because no, you're I just, Indy, Atlanta, Toronto, and Miami. 
Yeah, I think I think Atlanta makes it and Orlando doesn't, and then I think the other seven probably end up the same. I don't know. Miami, I I kinda wanna I wanna like say Miami doesn't make it and they do make it, but like I don't think that like I'm very confident Toronto's gonna make the playoffs. Having watched them the last like week and a half, they're playing a lot better. Like they're they're starting to figure themselves out. They're playing Chris Boucher more. Like I, I think Toronto I'm I'm comfortable with. Like I think Toronto's one of the better teams in the East, to be honest with you. But yeah, I agree. I, I honestly like not to be like arrogant. Like, I think we can predict the standings. It's like, I think Milwaukee will end up at number one. Philly, Brooklyn, Philly's good. two, Philly's, three. Philly's good. Philly's in some good. order. Yeah. Boston. I think Toronto gets up to five. <laughs> Indy think, at six. Do you think Brooklyn? So Brooklyn's done some interesting stuff. Like Kevin Durant aside, like they've sat guys in, in weird games. They've sat Durant and Kyrie. They've sat hard and whatever. Like, do you think that Brooklyn cares what where they finish in the regular season like you you would think mm-hmm. they'd want to finish so they would play the bucks like they'd miss one of the bucks or the sixers right you'd think they'd want to finish in a situation where they don't have to play like a tougher second round series but like part of me just wonders if brooklyn's like let's just get these guys to the playoffs we know we can make the playoffs but like if we're the seven seed it like literally means nothing do you think they right. feel that way Yes. I think if they, th- if you told them that you could be healthy in the playoffs, they would take like the seventh seed. Yeah. yeah I wonder. And I, and I've, I've often thought this, like teams are like, Oh, we can turn it on and we'll be fine. And like, sometimes that works. A lot of times it doesn't. Brooklyn is so spectacular to watch when everybody plays on offense. And like you said, they just signed Noah Vonley and you know, they, they've got a couple moves. Amon Shumpert showing up, like they, they still got some things to do, but I think I agree with you that if you just said like, Hey, you're the six seed, but you're going to get a full healthy playoffs. However long you can go with Harden, Kyrie and Kevin Durant that like, I think they'd be like, all right, we're going to win the title. Seriously. Right. Well, I, I think their defensive concerns are, are legitimate. Definitely. I mean, I don't think they feel good about their team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they added Noah Vonley. Maybe and maybe there's another move to make, but I, it's just hard. I think I saw somewhere where no team has won the title without a top 10 defense in like 10 years or something. And they're 27th right now. Yeah. I think since the Harden trade, they have the greatest, they have the best offensive rating of all time and the worst defensive rating of all time. It's only been like 12 games and they haven't, they've only played the, the, the big three together, like seven of those 12 games or something. So it'd be interesting to see what they are in those specific games, but like they've got some problems for sure. Well, I, I think, well, do you think some of these teams, let's say I'm mean, top of the conference, like Lakers, Milwaukee, do you think they care less about seating because of COVID and because there's probably not going to be fans? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Because, like, we haven't even seen, like, the, the NBA is worried now about, like, scheduling the All-Star game, and we haven't even seen what, like, the back half of the schedule after March is going to look like. So, like, I'm not 100% sure what teams are thinking. I, I wish I had a better answer, right? Because, like, right now, if you look at team schedules, you've only got, like, 12 more games on the schedule, and the NBA has to, like, go in and decide what they're going to do after March 3rd. And so we we already saw like LeBron say like why are we having an all star game so like they don't care if, if and somebody like him can obviously say that because it doesn't matter to him I, I think from a dollars and cents perspective the all star game makes sense if you're going to play the season like this like you should probably do it so guys can get paid a little bit more money but right I mean it's like everything in the NBA now players is just like why doesn't the owners concede to everything it's, uh. it's weird and again I'm not I'm not saying that I disagree with LeBron's take I just think if you if you holistically look at the league and the decisions that they made it they should have the all-star game. I don't but, know. I, sometimes the outrage gets crazy like I saw one tweet on the Super Bowl I refuse to watch football because it's modern day slavery like how in any world is that like players, comparable players getting paid to uh millions of dollars to, to do a sport that they chose to do same, but. I, I don't. I don't want to get down a political rabbit hole, but I like I said, I, I don't know what teams are thinking because I think that they're not going to want to bubble the playoffs again. Like I don't think they. Yeah, want to and do I, that. I was going to say I don't think they're going to have to. I mean, like Probably vaccines not. are increasing, COVID cases are declining. The summer allegedly supposed to be lighter in general, like flu season. Um, I don't know about fan wise. I don't know if they're going to have like packed houses, but I don't think that they're going to have a problem. It would be very interesting to play like 80% of the season without fans and watch which teams play really well and then see if there is a noticeable difference in how teams play in front of fans and without fans. Right. So like, like let's, we talked about Utah in, in detail a couple weeks ago, like Utah is probably the best team in the league today at this juncture, as yeah. we record Utah's probably playing the best of anyone. and if Utah is playing great and they're, they've got like a really nice routine, like how does Utah look when they go into, you know, Staples center in game five against LeBron, if there are 
20,000 people there. Cause it's, it's conceivable that there could be, I don't think there right. will be. I'm, I'm looking at even the home away still seems like pretty notable, which right. it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, the Lakers I don't know what, actually better on the road. I don't, I don't know what teams think about like what the playoffs are going to look like and, and, and like what seating matters. I think you just want to, you probably just want the higher seed. Cause like, like you said, like there's, the Lake, both the LA teams are quite good, right? Utah is very good. Milwaukee is still very good. Philly is very good. And then we think Brooklyn's good. So like, if you just take those six teams away, like then it seems like there's like a bucket of like another 12 teams or 15 teams that are pretty good NBA teams, right? And can win in the playoffs. But like, if I'm Brooklyn, I'd certainly rather play Atlanta in the first round than Milwaukee, right? Or Well, like, and also I think there's something confidence-wise, like look at Philly. I think it's more important to them. For whatever reason, they play much better at home. They're like an awesome home team, yeah. Yeah, last year, 31-4 and four at home, 12-26 and 26 on the road. I can't explain that. That's just crazy. Um, but also, they're a young team, and they're like, it's sort of the vibe is like, it's different this year. We have Doc, and Embiid's an MVP candidate this year. And so for them to get like the one seed, I think psychologically yeah. would help them. That's And that's what I thought with Utah, too, is like, it, it makes sense that right. like Utah would be like, let's get the one seed because... Like, yeah, it puts a target on our back, but also it means we've beaten everybody and we know that we can do it. And that's a right. It kind of reminds me, remember Derek Rose won MVP, the Bulls were the one seed. And I think it gave them and the fans and the media like some confidence that they actually were a title team and then they got knocked off by the the heat. But I think they need you need something to say that like we're we're better than this team. Um, we're the one seed. I think if Philly was the three seed, I wouldn't like their chances as much. Right. And this, and the thing is too, the one thing that we've seen that's been very difficult for every other than like Philly and Milwaukee and like the LA teams in Utah, like it's been really hard for teams to like get in a rhythm. Like we, we were look we were talking about Sacramento before and it's like, they were playing bad and they've won like four games in a row. We saw Indiana started well and they've lost a bunch of games in a row and like Brooklyn, they're playing guys in and out. Like, you know, they make a big deal. It, it's just, you have so many teams that are like two games over 500, one game under 500, three games under 500, three games over. It's, it's weird, right? Like nobody's been super consistent outside of like those five teams. And that's where I think this season has just been so odd, right? It's just been so different. And so it's not a surprise to me to see, you know, like Philly, like Embiid and Simmons and Tobias, like this is two and a half years of that with Doc Rivers. And, you know, they, they, they have an identity. Milwaukee, it's Giannis and Chris Middleton and guys that we've seen before, like, LeBron it's you know Utah had everybody together and this is the year two the Clippers same deal like they they know what they're doing and these teams it's easier for them whereas like other teams have more shit to figure out and it's been hard for them I think because there's just so much going on yeah I think things are stabilizing eventually though I mean we're only you know a quarter of the way in or a third of the way in it, we're gonna get to that point the all-star game is like a good distraction because we're we're gonna reach the point of the regular season where it's like we feel like we're on autopilot. Like we know these teams, we kind of know the order they're going to be in or it doesn't matter. If you had to guess though, we talked about the East playoff teams just to put a button on it. So nine and 10 might be in a play on, you know, game. So if you had to pick between like the group that could be in that group, you have Charlotte, the Knicks, Cleveland, Chicago, Orlando, maybe Washington, who, which of those two do you think will be like that nine, 10 spot? Well, I want to talk about Charlotte a little bit because I think Charlotte's pretty interesting because they've played right around as a 500 team. I think they're 11 and 13, but like they're beating teams that they should beat in the East. Like they're beating teams that are worse than them, right? They've, they've, <laughs> the Wizards were favorites against them on uh, Sunday. And it's just like Wizards should never be favored against anyone. But, you know, they beat the Wizards. Like, and I feel like Charlotte has, been a running joke of ours on this show it's like what do you do like are you excited right. but like Lamelo's going to win rookie of the year it's going to happen right his numbers are, are really really good and then gordon hayward has been nothing short of like amazing for them and i think yeah, it's, that, it's all working i mean like yeah. Rozier's playing well like i mean it's just not like a good team right like they're, they're good enough but it's not like a it's not like a team that gets you excited at least right now other than like i think Lamelo is if you're a Hornets fan, like you're pretty juiced about LaMelo, right? He's been. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like he's been a lot more efficient than I thought he would be. He's averaging 14, six and six as a rookie off the bench. I mean, come yeah, on. In, in like limited minutes. And then he started, and Devontae Graham's injured as of our recording. So he started the last two games and 
Had Could a great he win six man of the year and rookie of the year? Has that ever happened? I don't think it's, I don't know that it's ever happened. I don't think he will though. Right. I mean, there's like a credible argument that he's their second best player as right. a 19 year old. And there's some signs of life from Malik Monk had a couple of good games. I mean, it's they're they're legit. Maybe we're underselling them as a actual threat to crack the top eight. Yeah, I, I like I said, I I just think Toronto's better, right? So I think maybe they're as good as like I just don't think they're as good as Indiana, and I don't maybe they're as good as Atlanta. They're better coached than Atlanta for sure. They don't have like the star power that Atlanta has, but they've been much more consistent. They've they've got they haven't really been hit hard by like COVID or anything like that. So they've had a bunch of guys play twenty plus games for them, like. And I, yeah, maybe maybe they're better than than Atlanta. That's certainly possible. Or Miami, and Miami's probably better, but they're a game and a half up. I, yeah, Charlotte. Let's lock them into the at least the top ten, right? I mean. I think they'd be fun. They'd be a fun team to see in a play-in, right? Because, like, again, they, they you know, they, they've got to win over the Bucks. Like, they beat the Wizards. They, they beat the Heat in OT. Like, you know, they, they, they're worse than Toronto for sure. But they've kind of been swooning a little bit. Like, they, they had a nice four-game win streak at the beginning of the season, and, and now they've been struggling a little bit. But they've won four of their last six. So, Are you willing to say now? Because everyone laughed at the Gordon Hayward contract. No, it might still bite no. them on the second half of the – but it was it worth it? They they if they make the top nine, you know, I don't uh, think so. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I, I liked it. At the, like I liked the thought of it at the time. Like I understood what they were doing. Like you, you get another good player. He's a good locker room guy. You don't throw Lamelo to the wolves right away. You have somebody who fits, who very clearly showed that he could be a number one option in Utah. But like thirty million a year for four years. Plus you had to stretch Nick Batum, whose contract was like a legitimate asset. And now Nick Batum is an actual good NBA starter on a minimum deal in LA. And you're still paying him all this money. Like I thought from a front office standpoint, the deal was bad. And I still think the deal is bad. I think but Gordon, he's been better Gordon than Hayward, the, thought. Gord, Yeah, definitely. Gordon Hayward, the player really fits. It made sense from a coaching perspective, but from a, like, what do we do for our franchise? Right, because like, I, I mean, definitely give him a shout out because he he's having a career year right now. He's at playing age great. thirty. He's, he's playing great. You know, he broke his leg two years ago, I guess. Right now, um, but like if you a, look at if you look at Charlotte, right, and I understand, like we can we can talk about how good we think they are. But now, let, let's say we think, let's say there's a 50-50 chance Lamelo Ball becomes an all star, right? He'll he'll become an all star because he's like a popular guy, right? But like let's say there's a 50-50 chance he's legitimately an all star caliber player for a majority of his career. When you sign Gordon Hayward to this contract, you're like three years away from like getting LaMelo Ball legitimate help for the next stage in his career, right? By like 22. Well, he, I don't know about that because he's further along than I thought. Um, I thought he would be one of the worst players in the league. This year. I thought he would have like a Killian Hayes type rookie year. And he's he is been, not that for sure. Been yeah. solid. He's been one of the he, – he's going to win rookie of the year, but like he's been as good – like Halliburton quickly, him – have been like the three best rookies probably. Well, the question is like, so they're going to have Anthony a lot of cap Edwards. room in that in two years, at least like, cause they do feel like they're one star away. Away um, from what? I, from being like a top five seed. So like, are you telling me that if you put Kawhi Leonard on this team without losing anything? Are they not top four in the, in the East? I know that's asking a lot, but they're worse than like Toronto was with Kawhi, but yeah, they're probably, I mean, he's like the, He's like a top five NBA player. That's like fair. That's you're fair. like, oh, if you put LeBron on this team, like they'll be good. Like that, that's not my, you know what I mean? Like right, just, right. No, that, I mean obviously without losing, but they but could my, theoretically do it in the sense that like they're going to have max room in a few years without losing two, anybody in two years, in right? Two years, but then, yeah. but they have to give Devonte Graham a new deal, right? I mean, he's going to be part of their plans. You would assume somebody else gets a reasonable deal from them, but I guess Rozier comes off the books. I don't know. My problem with Charlotte is like when you arrive a bit too early, right. You kind of end up like the 2018 Brooklyn nets where it's like, Hey, we're pretty good, but none of these guys are good enough for us to be better than like the seven seed or like the right. six seed. And then you're drafting like 15 to 20 each year. And unless you like bink off Giannis Antetokounmpo, which can happen, I wouldn't expect this front office to be able to do that. Cause I don't know that they know European basketball exists. I think it's hard for the the Hornets. I do personally. Yeah, it's too bad because it's like 
it does, they've been trying, you know. They have been, and and, again, and this team and is they, good. they don't get like punished for that. Like I, I, it's, it sucks. I'm actually really happy that they moved up in the lottery and got the guy that they think is going to be the franchise guy. Because yeah. the team like this deserves it and needed it. It's just, it's just funny because we need more teams to try. Like we need more teams like the Charlotte Hornets to be like, hey, like let's go get Gordon Hayward and like let's let's win. You know, like let's not just suck for years and years and years, right? And it, it makes me kind of sad that like them make like let's say they get in let's say they're the seventh seed or the eighth seed and like you lose to you know Milwaukee or you lose to Philly and like you have a good series but like you know it doesn't go as well as you would have expected because you're not going to beat those teams but then people look at it and they're like yeah well Charlotte's screwed they're not any good All right and it's just like that's it, it's stupid like well and also shout out to the NBA I mean like there's not that many teams tanking right now. I mean, you'd say Oklahoma City's ten and twelve. They'll eventually start tanking. Yeah, Minnesota's. Not I don't think Minnesota wanted. To they're tank. not trying to tank, but it's I don't think Detroit wanted to either. And those are the two worst teams. I honestly do think the Minnesota situation is like one of the worst because, like, I feel so bad for Carl Towns. Like, not even the sense that like Minnesota stinks, but like he's just had an unbelievably bad year, and like you just think you want to play basketball and who knows like I, I just I just feel bad for Carl Towns and Minnesota fans in general because like this seemed like hey we got the number one pick we got Carl Towns we got his boy D'Angelo Russell like let's right. it's going to be exciting and like it's it's the Minnesota is just striking it's like a black hole it's like it's they so have, bad yeah it's you have three so guys who are averaging 20 points a game obviously Towns has been hurt but and then you have the number one pick it's like and you're the worst team in the league like how does that happen and and honestly, like Anthony Edwards has been better of late. Like he's actually shown some like signs of not being Andrew Wiggins, which is good. But you know, the other thing about the West, by the way, is Dallas has the second worst record in the West right now. It's it's weird. I, I don't know. This this season's been very odd. But I do want to like I, I want to agree with you about Charlotte. Like I think them playing well and trying to win games and signing Gordon Hayward, like from a pure basketball standpoint, like yeah, we were wrong about that. They're, well, how they're, about this? They're a good this team. Is the- because Knicks, Charlotte, about the same record right now. Who finishes with a better record? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. Honestly, I, I could see either one doing it. And I know that the Knicks are going to try. Like, the Knicks are not going to do things like, like, the Knicks are not going to rest players, right? Like, they're not going to be like, ah, you know what? This game's not important. Charlotte might say, like, hey, LaMelo's played – 65 minutes in the last two games like let's play him 18 minutes tonight. like that could happen right so like i'm gonna say that i think the knicks finish with a slightly better record than the hornets i think i would take the hornets um, you like the hornets I, team better by the way just like the roster you just like it better well i'm thinking of guys who are like legit rotational players on a good team. And obviously Hayward, I think PJ Washington is that I think Rozier and, and there's more like with the Knicks, it's Randall, you know, maybe the centers. I don't, I don't really know. I, mean, I guess RJ, I don't know, but RJ's like, you know, up and down. Do you think like Hornets could trade guys though? Like, could the Hornets be like, all right, we'll trade Cody Zeller. Like, okay, we'll trade Malik Monk. Like the Knicks are trading four players. Like their Knicks are not trying to trade like last year they traded Marcus Morris. Like the Knicks aren't trying to do that this year. They're trading four Derrick yeah. Rose. I just had this, like everyone's so excited about the Knicks. I just, I just have this vision of them, like seven game losing streak at some point and then things turn, you That's know? True. Yeah. I, and I Cleveland, say, I think Cleveland's going to have that too. I mean, you're not buying them. They have pretty much the same record as these teams. No, but, they've, they've played much worse lately. Like, right. They're 30th offense. They're, SRS is bottom five. Their expected win loss is bottom five. Like they've been punching above. Same with Oklahoma City, really. Um, I mean, OKC is not trying. Like OKC, it, when they flip the switch, when Sam Presti's like, all right, let's start the everything must go sale, like that'll happen quick, right? And that's the thing. Like you could see the Knicks doing something crazy, being like, all right, Obi Toppin for Al Horford. Let's do, let's do it. Like you could see that happening. But it's so funny, like the modern NBA, like. It seems like these teams have talent. Like you look at the Cavs, you know, Kevin Love hasn't really played, but um, Andre Drummond, 19 and 14 averages. And then you have your two guards, Sexton and Garland, scoring well, shooting 40% from three. And you look at the numbers, this is the worst offense in the league. Like, how does that add up? They're playing a lot of minutes to your boy, Isaac. I know. He's he's not. I want to say something about Malik Monk really quick. Yeah. Like there's like the Hornets hive that like loves Malik Monk and they're like, why doesn't he play? Why doesn't he play? And in January, they've actually played him like more minutes. Like he's averaging like, or in February, he's averaging like 30 minutes a game and he's actually playing like really well and shooting like 
50 plus percent from three. And I wonder if their thought process was like, Hey, this guy's not for us when we first got here. Like he's too small. He's just a scorer. That's it. And now they're like, you know what? We have other guys who can handle the ball. So his role can be different. And I wonder if like, we're going to watch Malik Monk the second half of the year actually have a really good year because he doesn't have to dribble. All he can do is like shoot and like catch the ball in transition. And like they can hide him a little bit on defense, but like, it's been fun to watch him score because that's all he does. And I think before their team wasn't good enough, but now, you, like you said, you add Gordon Hayward, you add LaMelo Ball, like, hey, Malik, you don't have to ever handle the ball, right? Like, now you can just do what you do. And so I, I wonder if, like, we're going to watch – I can't wait till we get the, like, Kevin O'Connor article about Malik Monk in, like, six weeks and how – It's usually like, the day after our podcast. <laughs> You know, you know that that's the thing, though, because like Malik Monk is a very is like a lightning rod for like engagement. People like him His Instagram clips. You know, his Kentucky guy scored a bunch of points. So like at some point, we're going to get the article about how like Malik Monk hit rock bottom and refocused on what he could do. And now he's like a sniper. Right. And that's what right. we're going to see. He does kind of make sense on other teams. Like if he went to like the Lakers or something as like a shooter off the bench, he would be like a folk hero. I'm trying to think of like. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I think he makes sense for Charlotte. I think think he makes fine sense for Charlotte. You know who I think he really makes sense for? Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they lost that, you know, Seth Curry type. I mean. I just wonder, like, I I really wonder what their plan is with him, you know, because he's not getting, they they didn't give him an extension, right? He's not, he's not getting a qualifying. Maybe they'll give him a qualifying offer at the end of the year. I don't know. But like, he's. I think he's going to play well enough that somebody's going to talk themselves into Malik Monk. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't, I really don't. He can't dribble. That's all I know. He couldn't dribble coming out of college. Like, so, but if he shoots, he's shooting 50% from three on like a reasonable amount per game. I think he's like, he's a very good shooter. I mean, he, I bet he hadn't been shooting well, which was so bizarre. He's 23 for 47 from three this year. That's, it's pretty good. Right. Like uh-huh. he's, He's a guy so, that you'd like. He's a guy that you'd like. Anything else to wrap it up? I mean, we think we kind of figured out the East. You want to talk about the Super Bowl real quick? No, I, I mean, it's disappointing. We were rooting for Kansas City, right? I was just honestly like, I was rooting for a good game. And since I didn't bet on Kansas City, I wasn't like super into it. I, I think that Tony Romo is a great announcer in big games that are close where he has a lot of interesting things to talk about. I think when there's a lot of dead air, Romo is very bad. And so yeah, that's, was, a, that's your hottest take. In, like, I, I think, I mean, last night, did you, did you watch the game with the sound on for the whole time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you watch like, I think it was after like Mahomes through the interception that got tipped in the end zone or whatever. And Devin white, I think caught it and they ran to the screen and it was like the taunting, the Antoine Winfield thing. And Romo was like, I don't condone taunting Jim. Like it's not okay. But after that, he was like, this is going to be seven Super Bowl titles for Tom Brady. So now if you're Mahomes, you're talking about like, you probably got to get to eight Super Bowls if you're going to catch him and Brady beat you head to head. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, Mahomes has played three years, four years in the NFL. He's been a starter for three. Like, are we really talking about a guy getting to eight Super Bowls? Like, is this where we're No, I, I, see, I would defend him because before the Super Bowl, he would talked about if Mahomes wins, that would give him two Super Bowls. It would lock Brady at six. Then you kind of open the door. But now, but his point was, if Brady wins this, it's, there's, it's impossible to catch him. I just think that, like, winning is so hard and be a guy like Tom Brady and a guy like LeBron, it, it happens more in basketball In football. Like we've never seen this before. Like even well, if like, it's, if football is, I mean, like think about like Aaron Rodgers. I think has been one of the best quarterbacks of all time has made one super Bowl. one super bowl. That's what I'm talking about. Like even the guys like Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw, like that was in a different era when like you didn't have to do as much like Tom Brady has dominated like three different eras of football. Like, <laughs> He was the quarterback on like a ground control, like defensive first team to start his career and won Super Bowls. Then they turned into this super high octane offense and he didn't win Super Bowls. And then he did win Super Bowls as like throwing for 45 touchdowns. And like, it's, it's like amazing. Like we've never seen it before. And like, we have seen it in basketball, right? We've seen Jordan win six titles. Like we've seen Kobe win five. We've seen LeBron over the course of his career, go to the NBA finals, however many But times never quite now. in this like order. Cause they made a point on the broadcast too. Like he won a lot early. Then he didn't he win like it all. Pro, for, yeah. Like for 10 during years. his prime theoretical. Yeah. And then he won late. It's, we haven't seen that. Like Jordan won basically six in a row 
he took a retirement. But yeah, but he did. You're right. He won the same in the same era. He won them all. Like Kobe won I guess early. That, I guess Kareem didn't Kareem win early and then late and then won late. They both him and Kobe kind of did that. Like they won in the early 2000s and Kobe won right. like 2008 and 2010 or whatever 2011. So like again, maybe LeBron will do that, but he didn't win early. No, he didn't win early. You know, he won 2011 and then won last year, so ten years difference. But like. Patrick Mahomes is in fourth grade when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl in 2001. Like, I mean, that's insane to think about. Like, the, it's, it's incredible. I mean, and I, I've always hated on him because um, I don't think he's like as talented as, as a lot of other top quarterbacks. He is certainly worse as a quarterback than Peyton Manning. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I understand the greatest of all time types of things, but like, Brady is a great quarterback and probably the best individual football player of all time. It's, it's probably, it's hard to argue that I think. Right. But like one game you take him Brady, you take him like Brady over Rogers. Like, I, I mean, maybe yeah, that's what's so bizarre. Like if you had to start a franchise, like with clones, like, I don't think I would take Brady in the top first round, honestly. I mean, Mahomes um, is honestly probably more impressive as like an actual thrower. And this is like slander. Brady's going to retire with like all these records and all these wins, but it's like, I mean, Peyton Manning was like the perfect quarterback. Right. And he just, and he won how many, he only won two titles and the last one they won in spite of him. And, and I think what Brady gets credit for is, you know, a lot of it was like luck. Let's be honest, like being in a great situation, weak division. He got very lucky. He got the the defense playing the way that it did and creating so many turnovers and short fields for him. And he had a bunch of interceptions dropped and overturned by penalties. Like, right. But I think like the common thread you would say is we get so hung up on like stats, certain kinds of stats, like quarterback rating, yards per attempt and blah, blah, blah. Aaron Rodgers is the best ever based on that. But if you don't make mistakes, and you get five yards of pass and you just chug your way down the field, it really helps your team control the ball. It helps your defense stay rested. I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, his defenses have been usually pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, because he's not putting them in bad situations ever. It's, it's your boy, yeah, Jameis. I, I agree with you. I mean, here's the thing. The other thing, too, when people talk about the Jameis thing, and I'm excited, I, I think Jameis is going to get a chance to be the quarterback of the Saints, and I think it's going to be – interesting to watch and see the growth that we would expect to see if Sean Payton's going to go with the guy. But like the other thing about the Brady situation is like they fix the offensive line, right? He, he gets Gronk who, who so who matters so much in terms of like being a second blocker, right. Mm-hmm. Or being another blocker. Like, so he gets Gronk, he gets Antonio Brown, like guys come to play with Tom Brady. And like, I'm not saying that about like Leonard Fournette and dudes like that. They signed guys that came off the scrap heap, but like, and Dominic and Sue, they signed like it, you know, the team is better because guys want to play with Tom Brady. And so while I don't believe in the, like he changed the culture thing. Cause I still think like the Bucks defense was not indicative of what Tom Brady would expect of like their culture. You know what I mean? Like the Bucks right. defense was insanely fun to watch, like flying around, they're talking shit. Like that's not really a Tom Brady thing, right? We haven't really seen that before in his career. But like the offense and stuff, like guys want to play with him, you know, because it's Tom Brady and he's well, and also the team. Like I didn't like their GM, but they drafted Tristan Wirfs, who's a great like. He was tackle. really, really good for them. I, I it's funny. Antoine like, Winfield had a good rookie year. Like Jason Licks, like he gets a lot of negative publicity, but like their impact defensive players were like all guys that he found and drafted or signed. Right? Like seriously, I mean, I mean who who are we missing? Like. They have all these dudes on defense that are like, you know, like Levante David, Devin Bush, like Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, he signed. Like he he built like a, an incredibly aggressive defense for Todd Bowles. And it was like a very good system. It's two years in a row that they've been really good. And this year they were fantastic to close the year. Right. I had a friend in Vegas and he, he called me and said, "Who? what's the rap on the game? You know, he's not a giant football fan. Um, and I said, like, I think Tampa has a better team. I think like all around, they have better, everything except quarterback, basically. And I said, the problem with Kansas City is going to have is they don't really run the ball that well. And they're missing two linemen. So like, you know, Tampa's going to tee off pass rushing wise. But where I was wrong is I, we said it last week, I'm like, on an off week, Mahomes is going to throw, score 30 points. 
and it this just was the didn't worst, happen. This was the worst game of his career by a long, a large margin. He had never lost by double digits. Like he had never scored less than thirteen points. I think he'd only scored less than twenty points one other time. Like, and he just looked bad too. It wasn't just like uh, some well, bad luck. I mean, there were like, some. Was, there were some. Like, like panicked. Travis Kelsey had like a two bad drops, which you wouldn't see. Like. But how often do we see Mahomes like just run backwards? No, for 10 never. He, he was pressured more last night than he was like pressured the entire year. Like he, he, right, he was I the, saw some stat. I don't know. He if was the accurate. most pressured quarterback in the NFL. Like that was the most pressured a quarterback had been in any start all right. year was last night. Right. I think they said the first half he was pressured on like 60% of his dropbacks. I mean, yeah, I, I think it finished at like 54.5% or like 54.9% or something. And again, that's not something he's tremendous at avoiding sacks. He still did a great job, honestly, in terms of like, just looking up and bang, there's an end in your face. But yeah, you could tell like it really bothered him. It's not something that he's had to use. And, you know, the the Bucks blitzed five times all game. Like and, and that's like the common thread when you talk about like, how do you stop a great offense? I remember like the greatest show on turf. It's like Tampa can get pressure with their front four. The Giants beating Tom Brady. Like, how do they stop them? Get pressure with your front four. It's, like, it's, it seems like a very f- simple recipe. It's, it's hard funny. to do, but like, it's what the it's what the Bills did, and they just couldn't get enough pressure. And Travis Kelsey just destroyed them underneath. And like the Chiefs, like that's what they do, right? Like, you don't blitz Mahomes because he's fantastic against the blitz, and he just kills everyone who blitzes them. And in week ten or week twelve, whatever it was, like Thanksgiving weekend, when they did blitz, Mahomes just freaking carved them up, and they didn't blitz at all. They just used the Bills game plan, and it worked great because. Pierre Paul and Jack Barrett were amazing last like Sunday night. They were incredible. It was it was fine. Um, Does Jason Pierre well, Paul have uh, three Super Bowls now? I think so. I think they said that. Do you more think Super he, Bowl, more rings than fingers. I was going to say, do you think he wears his Super Bowl rings on the oh, fireworks on. hand? All right, that's oh, it for us. On. It's sad to see football go, but now it's we're we're ramping into basketball season. You know, everything's again. We'll see what happens with the All Star game. We'll see what happens with the back half of the schedule. Who knows. And uh, from there, Zan, I don't know. You got anything else or is that it for us? No, that's week? it. That was a good, inef- inappropriate to the fireworks injury community. All right. We'll MTV, an apology. MTV challenge accepted. Sometimes Thursday, sometimes Friday. He is Zan underscore Ellison on Reddit and Twitter. 99 cent store column. Hopefully coming out soon. Got to see it. And then uh, email the show, Ellison <laughs> at gmail.com. And uh, Zan, as always, buddy, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.